Are you guys doing? Good. Good week? Good warmer week? Yeah? <laughs> it's good to be here. Hey, uh, so if you've been with us these past couple of weeks, you know that the last couple of weeks we've been kind of going through this uh, uh, walk through uh, kind of a spiritual eye test uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, the last couple of weeks we've been seeing this thing about vision and and what we've been seeing is that um, really our, sometimes our eyesight is off. Sometimes our vision of the world and our vision of our, our own lives uh, can be off because of the way that we either write God off and trust in other things or the way that we write other people off because of some kind of, ju- of judgment that we put on them that really doesn't come from God. And so we've been looking at those things and our passage today actually falls right between those two passages in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it actually falls in the middle, the very center of the whole Sermon on the Mount. And so this is an important passage. We're gonna talk about that uh, in a little bit, but uh, it continues to talk about the way that we, we see things. So we've talked about the way we see God, that we've talked about the way that we are seeing other people and the way we see our lives as a result of it. But today we're going to look at this challenge where this Jesus is challenging us to consider how do we see how God sees us? How do we see how God sees us? Because that, that really uh, can impact just our perspective on life and on this world and everything else. So stand with me. Uh, we're gonna look at our passage in, in Matthew chapter six, this verses 25 through, 20, through, 25 through 34 of Matthew chapter six. It says, for this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on, for is your life not more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not plant or harvest or store their food in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil and they do not spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not be anxious then saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious enough for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Anxiety. I don't know if you guys ever have it. I'm convinced that the source of it is that we vastly overestimate our ability to see the future accurately with all its problems, right? And we vastly underestimate God's ability to see that same future and to see it accurately. And we underestimate God's willingness to be there with us in it and to help us in it. We tell ourselves these stories about how how bad it will be and how alone we'll be in it 
and how these challenges will be overwhelming. And those stories aren't even true, are they? Today's message is titled Tall Tales. Father, this morning, we might have come in here with some of these stories that we tell ourselves, and they're running through our head right now. We might be looking at tomorrow. We might be looking a week from now. We might be looking at this undetermined future, but we might be terrified by it because the vision that we have made up of what it's going to be, you're not there. You don't see us. You don't care about us in that story that we've told ourselves. And because of that, we are terrified. Father, I pray that this morning you would use these words from Jesus' lips, from, from the Son of God who came and said, you know, I am here to tell you about how the kingdom really works. I'm here to reveal to you how the Father's heart really works and how his vision really is towards you. So I pray that our hearts would be open to hear that and to receive that like a plant, that that would be the seed that starts taking root in our hearts instead of this anxiety that instead of this garden of worry, we instead would have a garden of thanksgiving and of praise to God. Because we would see you as the father who you are. And we would see ourselves as the children who are loved by you. We see the future as something we don't even need to worry about. Because you're already there. So father, come and plant these words in our hearts Help us to see and to hear and to receive and to understand and to know and to be transformed, changed by your word, by your spirit, so that we might grab hold of and live out the life that you have called us to, that you have prepared for us, that has been given to us in Jesus, that has been powered by the Holy Spirit. We pray these things for your glory. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, and we pray these things by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So whenever anyone tells a story that's not quite true, they used to call it a tall tale. So when I was in junior high, I was probably standing about 5'9", 5'10", and I would tell people, well, I'm almost six feet. That's a literal tall tale, right? Stretches it just a little bit. But it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if it's a, a child who's in a room and sees shadows on the wall and says it's a monster or whether it's the guy that's out fishing and he tells about the 20-pound monster that got away, right? We've all heard these stories where people take the truth and they stretch it. They stretch it towards the bad. They stretch it towards the good. We've all been exposed. We know what those are. Now, one of the places I think that we are all guilty of stretching the truth a bit and usually towards the worst is when we talk about the future, Right When we look to the future and we think we're justified in it because of all the signs that we see in the world around us, because of all the stories that we've heard from other people that have run into all these horrible things, and we think that's going to be my story as well. Most of the time, we, we really don't tell these stories out loud. We just think them. We just tell ourselves these stories. We tell these, ourselves these tall tales in our mind and it, in all of these stories, and regularly, you find that these tall tales that we tell ourselves, they end terribly, don't they? They end with us out all alone. God is nowhere to be found. And we're there to face all of our problems all on our own. All of these things that we've imagined could possibly go wrong. 
That, in a nutshell, is why we get so anxious, right? We see our future, and we're sure it's clear, and God's not there. In Matthew 6, 25, Jesus begins uh, this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, the central passage of the Sermon on the Mount, with the words, do not be anxious. Now, why is it important that it's a central passage in this, it's a central section of this whole, you know, three-chapter section of Matthew, of Jesus' teaching? Because in the Jewish mind in that day, whether you're writing or whether you're speaking, your main point is going to be in the middle, always. Everything else works its way to the middle, and your main point is there. So this is what Jesus has been getting at. It's the thing that's going to tie the whole sermon together. He says, you know what? If you want to find the kingdom of God, you got to let go of this thing. If you want to know how to live out a righteous life, you got to let go of this thing. Do you want to know why people have such a hard time pursuing the righteousness of God? Because they are anxious, because they imagine a future without him, and they try and work out how they're going to get through that future without him. So he says, don't be anxious. And then at the end, just to make sure that we got the point in verse 31, he says, don't be anxious. And then to make sure that we got the point in verse 34... After verse 31, he says again, so don't be anxious. So are you guys hearing what, God, what Jesus is trying to say to us? Don't be anxious. Now, the problem with that is like so many things in scripture, it's easy to hear those words. It's even easy to agree with those words. It's easy to repeat those words back. Yeah, I shouldn't be so anxious. How many times have we told ourselves that? Yeah, I shouldn't be anxious. We read that, oh yeah, I don't need to not... But not being anxious, that's the tough part, right? Doing what Jesus said, that's the hard part. Walking it out in our lives. And so how are we supposed to do what Jesus says? What does it mean to live out this life without being anxious? Well, in his teaching, Jesus begins and he zeroes in on these two areas of life. Two areas of life that we can all relate to. Two areas of life where, especially in his audience, many people would have been very anxious It was about food, and it was about clothing. Now, in our day, honestly, honestly, when we worry about food, what do we primarily worry about within our culture? Many of us are worried about, I just don't want to eat too much, right? Many of us are are saying, you know what I'm most anxious about is that when I go to the supermarket with aisles and aisles of food, I'm not going to find the brand I want. When it comes to clothing, Many of us are concerned because I'm going to go to my closet that's full of clothes and I'm not going to be able to find anything to wear. That I'm going to be worried that I'm going to go out and look foolish because I have the wrong outfit on for that day out of so many that I could choose. In Jesus' day, things were a little bit more dire than that. These were people that were literally saying, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to eat today. I'm not sure I'm going to have clothes that aren't completely worn through and worn out. And the truth is, is that in our world, outside of a few pockets, like the culture that we happen to live in, that's where most people live. Day to day, trying to find just enough food to stay alive. Day to day, trying to just make sure they have something to cover themselves with. And these were the people that Jesus was talking to. Now we need to come back to that because there's an important point for us in that, that we need to consider 
When we think about what does it mean for God to provide for us? What does it mean when God takes care of our needs? So we're gonna look at that in a minute, but, but here's Jesus and he's using this illustration of food and clothing. And you go, well, why did he use that? I mean, it's a very, he used it for one, because even if we're not in that situation where we're struggling with that every day, we can relate to that. We understand food and clothing. We understand how necessary they are. We can imagine what it would be like to come up short in that. And what Jesus is doing, though, is he starts and he's using this argument from, from the lesser to the greater. He's saying, you know, there are some basic things, and if God takes care of the basic things, you can bet he's going to be taking care of everything. His argument is, you know what, if he's going to take care of food and clothing, if God is going to provide for your food and clothing, and he will, Don't you know that he is concerned about and he's going to provide in all these other concerns that you're carrying, all these other anxieties that you carry? So this isn't just a passage about food and clothing, and we need to know that because some of us don't have real desperate concerns about food and clothing right now. But he's saying, you know what, this is also about that anxiety that rises up when your health takes a turn for the worse. Or what about that anxiety when you watch your kids and they take a turn for the worse? And they go running off the rails. What about when you look in the distance and you see there's a war going on and it starts to almost like threaten your neighborhood? Or when the economy starts to shudder and the anxiety that starts raising up when you start telling your story about that future? He says, if I, if I will take care of these small things, you can bet that I'm thinking about and taking care of all these things as well. Another way that he uses this this idea of taking this, this argument to the lesser and moving it to the argument to the greater is when he talks about birds and he talks about flowers, right? Because he says, and not only the small needs and the big needs, but also what about, what about if I take care of the birds and feed them? Birds that cost, in Jesus' day, they were pennies to buy these birds. And he says, if I take care of them and feed them, Don't you know that I'll feed you who have so much more value in your life? If I take care of these grasses of the field and clothe them with a beauty that even rivals kings through the flowers I put on them, and they're just there for a day before they dry out and they're thrown in a fireplace somewhere, don't you know that I'll take care of you and I'll clothe you? So again, he says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. The, the little things in your life or the, the huge things in your life. I take care of even the little creatures of this earth. I'll take care of you. So don't be anxious about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or with what you're going to clothe yourself or anything else that comes up. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about your life. But then to drive his, his point home, Jesus uses these these really interesting words when he talks about the birds and he talks about the flowers. Because he doesn't just say, well, think about the birds. Think about them as an illustration so we can get on to the real important stuff I want to talk about. He says, no, look into this. Dig down deep into this bird thing. Think about it. Ponder it. Consider it. Sit and just, just let your mind get wrapped around this. They don't They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store up in barns. 
They don't do anything to prepare for if a famine's coming or, or if winter's coming. They don't do anything. And yet, you know, they, they don't work. They don't even know how to. If you ever had a creature on this earth that by all rights should die of starvation because of its lack of preparation to try and counter that end, right? It's the birds. And he says, and yet your father, not the bird's father, your father, and you need to remember that, your father feeds them, even them. Dig into that one for a while because your father will feed you. Your father who loves you, to whom you have so much more value than the birds and you who he knows are capable of participating in this. Birds don't even know how to do that. He's given us the ability to know how to prepare. He's given us the ability to, to grow our own food and to plant and to harvest. He says, surely God can, can provide for you. Same with the grasses. I love the word that he uses here because literally he says, go to the grasses and learn from them. He uses this Greek word, it's a Greek word, manthano, it means to learn. And from it comes this, this word, methetes, that, that meant a learner, a disciple. He says, go to the grasses, sit at the feet of the grasses like they're your rabbi, like they're your teacher, and just learn from them. Just watch, observe, and see what God does. And learn, let it transform your life. Become more like the grasses of the field. And you go, How, what do you mean, become like them? He says they don't work, they don't toil, they don't sow, right? Become, so, become lazy, just sit around? No. They are clothed by God because God loves them, because God's, God's grace is upon this world, because God just fills this world with his abundance and with his glory. They're clothed by him. Learn that from them. Surely the God that clothes the grasses in this way will clothe you. You who are so much more, so much more valuable to him, but also you who you can sow and you can, you can participate with God to see him provide for you. you. There's so much that creatively that you can be a part of this. Surely God can prepare and he can provide for you. So learn from the grasses and let God take care of you. And so we say, so what... Okay, so what's the key? What's the key to, if we're not gonna be anxious, what's the key to not being anxious? And he says it at the end of this, of this section on the grasses, and he says, surely God, your father, your father in heaven will take care of you. He will clothe you, O oh, you of little faith. Jesus, he's saying faith, faith, faith is, that's, that's the key, that's, that's how we can live a life without anxiety. So you mean, so sit, you know, a lot of times we think of faith as, so I just go sit in my room and I just wait for the food to fall from the sky, right? I just, I just wait for the clothes to appear on me like they do on the grasses. It just kind of grows like the flowers do, right? That's what faith is. I don't, I just sit around and wait for God to, to show up and it's like, no, 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 real faith, right? And in this case, faith, where it starts is this. Faith says, you know what? I don't know the future. Start there, right? That's, that's a starting point of faith. I don't know. I don't see the future clearly, but I know my God who does. 
I know who my God is. I know that he is my father. I know that he loves me. I know that his, his, his compassion is always targeting me. His goodness is always chasing me. I know my God, his eyes are always on me and that he is already in that future. He sees the future clearly. He's already preparing for it the way he does for the birds and for the flowers. He, he, he's already there. Faith says, I don't know that future, but my God does. And his eye is always on me. He has the ability to provide for me. He has the intention to provide for me. And get this, and he surrounds me in this world with illustrations of how he will provide for me. I just have to look at the birds and look at the flowers. And I know, this is my God. So he says, don't be anxious. Quit being anxious Instead, have faith. So what is this faith that he's talking about? Three things I think we need to know about faith. One, faith has a God component to it. No question about it. It has a God component. We trust that God can pull off things that we can't even do. But I know that my, the faith component, my God will not abandon me to my future and it, without meeting all of my needs. And Philippians says, according to his resources, according to his abilities, according to his riches in glory, he will provide food for me in this life, but also he is going to provide spiritual food for me, he said, to, to prepare me for the next life. He will provide clothing for me in this life, but he is also clothing me in the righteousness of Jesus to get me ready for the next life. He is, going to, he is going to heal me in this life, but he is also going to give me victory over, over sickness and sin and sorrow and death to bring me into eternity with him. So God is, is already looking way beyond the future that I even see and bringing me into a future I can't even imagine according to his riches and glory. So don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And faith would say, I am not anxious because my story, past, present, and future, has God in it. My story, past, I look there, I see him. Present, he is with me. And future, I know he will be there. Has God in it. Faith is believing that my story, my life, has a God piece, a God element in it. But faith is also this. Faith knows that I have a personal element to this story as well, right? God has. I'm not like a sparrow that can't plant or reap. I'm not like a flower that can't sow or, or, or buy and sell. I'm a human being. And God might call me to participate in the way that he's gonna provide for my very needs, right? So he might ask me to plant a crop so that I might have food in the winter. He might ask me to, to learn a skill to sow so that I might be able to clothe myself. In Ephesians 4, 20, 28, it says that we should all work doing work with our own hands so that we will have for ourselves, but that we will also have something to share with someone who is in need. So we participate with God in how he provides for us at times. In fact, regularly. So a life of faith is also a life that goes out and finds if it can get a job, right? A life of faith is also a life that goes out and says, can I learn a skill that will, will be used by God 
Faith is a, a life that you go and you say, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do so that this work of provision can be done in my life, but I can participate with you in it in the ways that you called me to? So faith has a personal component to it. Faith also has a community component to it. It has a component that means that brings in that we're all in this community that God has called us this people of God together. Regularly, one of the main themes in the Sermon on the Mount is around this word righteousness. And if you look at the word righteousness and how it's used, it literally means doing those things together that bring good to all of us together. Building those relationships and those habits together that will keep all of us and provide goodness to all of us together. So righteousness is living as a community that provides for one another. There may be a year that my crop fails or gets wiped out by by hail or something and I don't have food, but your crop is fine and you have the opportunity to see God's provision come to me through you. There may be a time that your, your family is hit by an illness and my family's fine and I have the opportunity to serve you to help make sure that those daily things get done that need to get done so that you don't just plummet down into poverty or something because I have the strength to do it. There may be a time that we get to care for each other or, or that maybe you look into your future and it looks extra dark and bleak that you find yourself, you're in that, like that valley of the shadow of death that you can't even see anything in front of your face. You're saying, I can't even see God. And you just need somebody who's, who, to come alongside who's not in that place, who can just say, you know what? I wanna encourage you because God is with you and your encouragement, God can provide for your brothers or your sisters. Because there is a, a community component to living this life of faith. We all hit those times that we're kind of taken out of the fight. And we all have those times that we are, we're just in a great space, we're just feeling encouraged and strong, and, and we can come alongside one another. And God says, you know what? Faith is knowing that not only does God provide, for us at times. Sometimes, miraculously, not only does God use what he has woven into me to provide for myself, but there are also times that through the community he provides, this community of people that he surrounded me with. That's why he says it's so important. This is how this central passage becomes almost like a, a commentary on the rest where he says, you know, that's why it's so important that we maintain and we build these relationships of connection and care with one another through justice and mercy and faithfulness and unity and grace and forgiveness. That's why those are so important. Because God's provision also comes through his people. And so keeping that community strong and healthy is, is essential to li us each living a life of faith. All of these are what it means to live faith. Now, at this point, I wanna go back and I wanna revisit that, that point I said we had to get back to. Because it is true that God has said that he would provide. He'd provide for our needs. He'd provide for our needs. But when we think about what does it mean for God to provide, I think we need to take a lesson again from the birds and the flowers, right? Birds, when they eat, they're not shipping in food from across the globe, right? 
Birds, when they eat, they don't go out and say, well, I need to have experiences of food with all the exotic bird cultures on the planet. When birds eat, they see food and it nourishes them and that's what they eat. Plants, when they grow, when flowers come out, (laughs) a certain grass doesn't get to choose. Well, I think I'll wear lilies this year. And this season, I'm going to wear I'll put on maybe roses or daisies. There's a simplicity to God's provision at times. And I want you to think about this. We go way out of bounds of faith and into places of maybe greed or presumption when we start believing and even demanding of God that he provide for us kind of at pace with all the fads all the whims, all the kind of just the, the, the passing things of this world. We've gone way out of bounds of faith. We go way out of bounds of faith with our community when we start demanding that they provide on that level as well. And we start demanding it in the name of Jesus. If you really loved me, if you really were concerned about me, you would give me this type of food, this type of dress, this type of health, not just, not just what God might provide. We go way out of lines, and I want you to think about this one. I want us to consider this one, but we go way out of bounds of faith when we start demanding of ourselves that we keep pace with the whims, with the fads, with just the, the passing fancies of this world. Why? Well, because faith is simple. Faith is simple. If you read in scripture, faith is simple. It looks for the provision as it is and as God provides it as a gift. And faith is full of gratitude as a result. If our lives are full of anxiety, full of frustration and full of feeling like we've been cheated every turn, it may be because we've gone beyond the bounds of faith. And we're not seeing the provision for what it could be. If you want to know something that will destroy your life and your relationship with God, start demanding of him the things that he has never promised. If you want to know what will bring division to the community and tear it apart, start demanding of them that they fulfill your your wants, your desires, your even fleshly desires just these things that we can't let go because we're trying to keep up with all that's going on in this world, all the fads and and whims. But this one is important for us to hear. If you wanna know what will add to your own life a layer and a level of anxiety that God doesn't even have a solution for, demand of yourself that you provide for yourself in a way that keeps up with this world that keeps up with the fads and the fancies and the passing, just whims of this world that will change every day. If you want to know where anxiety comes from, chasing the fading treasures, that's what that that whole passage about these things, moth and rust corrupt and and thieves break in and steal it. And not to mention the fact that tomorrow you're going to wake up and find out, doesn't matter how many outfits you have in your closet, they're all going to be wrong right? No matter how many aisles you walk down to the grocery store, it's not going to have the food you're looking for. 
And that can't be helped. <laughs> that, that kind of anxiety. There's nothing to fix this. There are times regularly when God overflows. He's abundant. He's just extravagant in the way that he, he gives gifts to us, right? Isn't that true? All you gotta do is look at Jesus to find out that God regularly gives us what we don't deserve, what we, have, we haven't earned it in any way, we haven't worked for it, we can't even imagine it sometimes, and God gives it to us anyway as a gift. God's provision will always meet our needs. God's gifts regularly will go over the top, regularly. But if we start demanding things that are even beyond what God gives and say that we're gonna call it, this would just be, if you love me, you provide me for these things. There's an anxiety, there is a, there is a sickness that's going to be found there that, that can't be solved. But God says, if you will live a life of faith, if you walk in faith with him and with your community and even within your own expectations, if you will walk in the grace of God, he will provide for us Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I want to close by reading a passage out of Philippians 4. It's Philippians 4, 6 through 9. And it really summarizes, these are words from the Apostle Paul, but they summarize the words that Jesus spoke. And they direct us towards where we're going to go next week because we're going to talk about prayer next week. To enter into prayer, we have to know this about about our own anxieties and about what are our expectations. When we come to God, how do we pray? Well, we pray not anxiously. We pray with gratitude. As we've watched the provision of God, we pray with confidence and faith. So listen, listen to these words from Philippians 4, 6 through 9. He starts out with the same words of Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and through your appeal to God, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation, if there is anything of excellence and anything worthy of praise, fix your minds on these things. And the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace, in that story of the future, he will be with you. So he says, don't be anxious, right? Look to God, do the work, love each other, Live that life of faith and know that you can, even if you can't see it, you can know it, that God will be there. He's already there. He sees it. He goes ahead. He prepares the way. He prepares the place that he brings us into, and he will be with you. Amen?